It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. Back to school time at the legislature. It felt like the first day of school. I was exhausted on Wednesday. It was the only day we really had session this week. And I'm out of session shape already. There was a committee meeting on Tuesday, but Wednesday was the only voting session day for both the House and the Senate this week. And it always feels like the first day of school when we've been apart for so long. That's what happens when you have such an incestuous group. (laughs) But we survived and there was so much news going on this week in NC Poll. First of all, there were six vetoes overridden on Wednesday. Six bills included the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, the Parents' Bill of Rights, the Charter School Governance Bill, Gender Transition Treatment, uh, home building regulations. All of it got overridden. Many of these bills with bipartisan votes, at least in the House, not so much in the Senate. Certainly, Republicans are taking a victory lap today. By the way, we're recording this podcast on Thursday afternoon, and they are very proud of the fact that they were able able to, again, just roll over Governor Cooper's vetoes. But this wasn't the only action in the General Assembly this week. The chambers took up the very controversial elections bill. So the elections bill had previously passed the Senate and came over to the House and then was unveiled on Tuesday in the House Elections Committee. And in that committee, first of all, let's start at the committee level. There was about two hours of discussion and debate about the bill with many amendments proposed. And then on the House floor yesterday, there were 18 more amendments, and only one of those amendments passed. That was an amendment from Representative Allison Dahl, and I think it was dubbed the Pizza and Pens Amendment. <laughs> As dubbed by Representative Dahl. Well, I was in committee on Tuesday when she proposed a similar amendment, and it failed. And then she said, can we just put a pizza and pins amendment in then? (laughs) And so it appears that that did happen. But the elections bill is different from what the Senate passed. But the Senate did agree with the House changes to the bill. So now that has been sent to Governor Cooper. And we're expecting him to veto this legislation. Yeah. So we are likely to be back in September when they get to the budget will likely have a veto override vote on this bill as well. It should be noted that, you know, we thought we were really going to go into today with some votes because there were some two-day bills that were in House rules yesterday. The leadership seemed to want to hit pause on that, not so much because they didn't have the votes. They just didn't want to come back today. They're going to punt those bills to the week of September 10th when they are expected expected to take up the budget. Now, yesterday, I was in line with Senator Ralph Heiss. He's a big chair over on the Senate side. And we were waiting in line for our tomato sandwich. We'll get to tomato sandwich day a little later in the podcast. But Senator Heiss told me when I asked him, are we we good on the week of September 10th? He said, that would be very optimistic. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. So... We're all kind of penciled in for September 10th to be there for the budget. But yeah, he seemed to have a little more pessimism, I guess, than what we're hearing from the leadership. We'll see. Additionally, in the middle of the day yesterday, House Republicans caucused in the morning and then again right before session. And we saw a press release come out about a leadership change. Yeah, the press release came from... Majority Leader John Bell's office congratulating Representative Carl Gillespie. He represents those most western counties in North Carolina going all the way to Cherokee. Representative Gillespie was elected yesterday by his House caucus colleagues in the Republican caucus to be 
the majority whip. Now, the subplot to this is that we learned Representative John Hardister, who's been the whip for years now, he stepped down from that position and has been appointed to be deputy whip. Now, Representative Hardister had a message on social media last night saying that he wanted to dedicate his time to not only serving in the General Assembly, but he also is running statewide for labor commissioner. Now, there's a subplot to that subplot, and that is when you are in a leadership position, and the whip position is a leadership position, it really is a magnet for PAC fundraising and individual fundraising for that matter. So with Representative Hardister already announcing that he's not going to serve in the General Assembly, the Republicans really needed to have someone in that position with that title so that they could raise money for the caucus. This was strategic, not only for Representative Hardister to dedicate his time to labor commissioner, but it was also strategic for the Republican caucus, always thinking about the elections. So we got a new political party in North Carolina, maybe for the 2024 election. That's right. On Sunday, the state board of elections approved the no labels party to be on the ballot. Now, there were some questions about whether the No Labels Party was a political party. There was a national spokesperson who was quoted in the media saying, no, we're not a political party. Uh, but then down here in the North Carolina, they're trying to be recognized as a political party. They must be a political party because their messaging is all messed up. But welcome to uh, North Carolina politics. We'll see if they field a candidate. We mentioned last week that former Governor Pat McCrory is involved, uh, former Justice Bob Orr from the North Carolina Supreme Court. He is involved, but uh, no plans yet, at least as we know of, to field a slate of candidates, but we'll see. They are holding a convention in Dallas in April, and it's rumored that they may have a slate of Joe Manchin, Esque candidates, Joe Manchin and Governor John Huntsman. Interesting. Seem to be poised, at least with the name, no labels, seem to be poised to tap into these unaffiliated voters that really don't want a label. But as we talked about last week, the Electoral College institutionally seems to be weighted against a third party. Speaking of 2024, wow. Candidate for Attorney General, Dan Bishop, Republican, hauled in the cash since he announced a couple weeks ago he was running for Attorney General. In 10 days, he raised over $900,000, and most of that money is from in-state. I think it was 93%. As if, you know, nearly a million dollars raised in 10 days wasn't enough. We heard that the Republican Attorneys General Association, which is a C4 that is here to elect Republicans for Attorney General across across the country, they announced that they have reserved four and a half million dollars for television ads in the 2024 North Carolina AG race. We have heard that Raga certainly supports Congressman Dan Bishop in his bid for Attorney General. Uh, want to mention, though, that, you know, there is that primary out there. We have Tom Murray, who has announced and he has been doing his tour across the state. I am sure this news about money raised has got him concerned. This week, we sat down with Senator Brad Overcash, who is an attorney and a freshman senator, to talk about his path to the General Assembly. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Senator Brad Overcash, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Start us off by telling us about your district. Where is it? Why do you think your district's special? Gaston County is my district. I represent one county. It is the ninth largest county in the state. 
I think it's the most underrated county in the state. Uh, we're home to the North Carolina Textile Technology Center, which is really doing some great work under the Gaston College umbrella and uh, doing a lot of research and development work for the textile industry, uh, doing a lot of training and, and, and other pieces to it. They're adding a fiber innovation center there. And a lot of people think that North Carolina is no longer in the textile game, and that's just patently untrue. And mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of good work in Gaston and beyond with that North Carolina Textile Technology Center. We have the largest remaining independent hospital, Caramont Health, mm -hmm. and we have a vibrant and growing um, public school system, charter schools, private schools, um, really the gamut on education, including in two early colleges or early high, early college high schools, um, and the only one of its type in the state, which is for health sciences at Gaston College. So I, I, I just think the listeners should understand that Gaston County is really a hidden gem in North Carolina. It is a county that did get hurt by some trade deals, right? Uh, you're coming back. I know that putting a lot of investment in textiles, but it's a county that did go through a transition though, right? Absolutely. Much like uh, most of the Piedmont and other places in North Carolina, uh, those trade deals really hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, but Gaston has managed to come back and be even more vibrant now. I don't watch a lot of Hallmark movies, but my wife does. And <laughs> I'm not going to call out each of the towns, but because there's several, and I don't mm -hmm. want to lose, I don't want to miss anybody. But if you come to Gaston, go hit some of our smaller municipalities, and you'll see that uh, they would be the envy of any Hallmark movie set. Um, they're, they're absolutely gorgeous. So you mentioned your wife. You have young kids, and you're fairly young. What got you into politics? We know that you've been in politics for a while. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I've been I've been involved in party politics for a long time. Uh, I was even starting back. I was a congressional page for Howard Coble, if oh, you remember, our late yeah. congressman uh, back in my high school days, and uh, even went to college undergrad at Carolina and was involved with some campaigns there and uh, helping out with kind of student politics. And um, from there on, I've, I've been a county party chairman, a, a congressional district party chairman, vice chairman. Uh, in fact, when uh, my predecessor, uh, Senator Kathy Harrington, let me know that she wasn't running again and, and, and recruited me to run for this seat, uh, I was the state party treasurer at the time. So I've had a long history in party politics, and I did that primarily because that's a great way where you can meet candidates and potential candidates, find folks that you like that have a shared vision and help them get elected. And to me, that was a, an important way to volunteer and, and spend my time because you get good government through those good candidates that you're helping get out there and get in office. Were your parents involved in politics or like, was it instilled in you as a young kid to be involved? No, my, my folks vote. I mean, they, they do their civic duties, but uh, not, in, not in politics at all. I mean, in fact, my, my mother was a longtime uh, third-grade public school teacher and certainly civic-minded folks that vote, but not, not mm. in politics. Going from inside the party to serving in the General Assembly has to be a different perspective for you, right? You're recruiting candidates to run, you're putting out yard signs, you're doing all the stuff at the GOP level, but then to actually go in and serve and hit that red or green button, you found that transition to be okay? Uh, the board that shows how every senator votes is unrelenting. <laughs> it's absolutely unrelenting. Yeah. There's no talking around it. There's no spin that you can put on it. I mean, right. you can try, but it's either red or green beside your name. And yeah. that, that is a more significant thing than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, on the party side, you know, you talk about the issues that the party's trying to push or the, these overall issues that you want to kind of be the priority and the narrative. And if you go in for an interview with a journalist, you want to emphasize those issues that are stronger for your party and for your side and for your candidates. And I've done a lot of that. Uh, including several uh, interviews and sort of talk show things on, on NBC Charlotte and, and some other places. And when you're asked questions there, you can frame those how you want. Sure. When you're sitting in the Senate and the vote is called, you can't do that. You can't dodge anything. You have to hit the red or green button. And one of the things that's important to me is 
I believe that it's a great honor to be one of the 50 senators in North Carolina, and I'm not going to skip a vote. Uh, if I miss a vote, it means something is terribly wrong for me. Uh, I just think it's an obligation to hit that red or green button one way or the other. But it, you're right. It's very different, Brian, um, because it's absolutely unrelenting. It is. And it could be a 47-word bill or it could be a 47-page bill, and you only vote red or green. And I've heard this from other folks who kind of come out of party politics. They say, yeah, that was... A little different because you might agree with the first 46 pages but there's something on page 47 you don't like or you do like it's it's difficult it, it can be but the the positive side of it is I, I understand that I'm coming into over a decade of a conservative reform agenda mm-hmm. I'm entering a, a play I'm not, and I'm not in the first act of it I understand that that what we're doing this session very very important but there is an overall and an overarching, and I hope to contribute to this, an overarching conservative reform agenda for the people of North Carolina that we're trying to implement. And I'm very well aware that I'm not in that first stage of it. Everything's not going to be completed in one session. It's not going to be completed in one, in one decade. We still have a lot more to do. And putting things in that context makes those singular issues easier to deal with in my mind. Speaking of having the obligation to be there and vote, you're a partner at your law firm, again, young kids. Has it been difficult to manage your time as a freshman, Senator? My uh, daughter is 10 years old. My son is eight. Uh, They will be uh, starting in third and fifth grade. I've certainly missed them and my wife when I'm up here in Raleigh. I don't have a place here, so I stay in hotels when when I'm up. And when we're finished, I hit the road, make the three-hour drive back to Gaston, and uh, I look at it as there are different seasons. We're hopefully wrapping up the long session soon. It's going to be very different next year than it was this year and because we'll be back in the district for most of the year and back on the campaign trail. And that's something that my wife and children can participate in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I look at things as a Uh, everything has its season and I try to put as good of a face on it. Very supportive family, very supportive wife and uh, very supportive law firm. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I've tried to continue my law practice and, and service my clients appropriately. But when I've not been able to uh, attend to certain things, I have a lot of great law partners that have stepped up and have helped to make sure my clients get the, get the service they need. I know you've got young kids, you've got your law practice, you've got your political life. Uh, What do you do when you're not doing those three Mm -hmm. things? Well, one of the fun things about Gaston County is a lot of what people would say is politicking or campaigning is a lot of fun. I'll Mm -hmm. give you a good example. I was invited to throw out the first pitch. We have an independent professional baseball team in Gastonia. And I was invited to throw out the first pitch for that and uh, for, to start the season. Well, I went and did that. That certainly can be said to be political. They you know, announced me as the senator as I did it. Uh, they certainly wouldn't have invited me to do it because of my arm. It was because of the position. Did you throw a strike? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny you say that. So the, the pitching coach was catching for me. Okay. And I walked out onto the field, and it was a pretty – pretty full stadium because this is an opening day for the season and he says senator if you you know if you want to stand in front of the mound you can i said absolutely not i said these people throw me out of here are you kidding me and he laughed he's like okay fair enough but yeah. i did throw a strike good good, good did good, you practice good. Yeah. oh no that was just all of course not of course not got the pitching coach yeah there. i didn't mark i didn't mark off uh the distance from the mound to the to the plate in my backyard at all i didn't make my son st- sit there and catch for me i, I assure you uh, but but it, it, things like that uh, this past weekend we have a speedway a dirt track speedway carolina speedway in gaston county and attended that um and again you Saw a lot of folks. It was for the Shriners Club uh, race, and that's a big race. A lot of people coming together. Uh, you could some people could say that's politics or campaigning or something like that, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So you know, saw a lot of folks, saw a lot of constituents, but also had a great time watching 
some great dirt track races. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 kind of what we do these days, especially since I've been in Raleigh a lot. When back in the district, we'll try to uh, have a lot of fun, but also be out in the community at the same time. Try to marry those two together. Your wife and kids enjoy the political work in Gaston County, going Ab- to these events. Absolutely. You know, my children are are ten and eight, so they don't they don't know what's political and what's not. I mean, we'll take them <laughs> to a GOP meeting. All they know is, hey, here are our friends that we play with in the back while they're That's having right. this meeting. Right. Um, my my wife certainly wouldn't be in politics herself, but but enjoys it. She's very much part of the community. Okay. She's active in our community and has been. Uh, long before I ran for public office. You talked about the conservative reform that we have been in since the 2010 election. So 2011 was the uh, Republicans had taken over the Senate and the House. And your predecessor, uh, Senator Kathy Harrington, who later went on to be the majority leader, uh, she stepped down last year after a decade of service, beloved powerful seniority. I know you're a big fan. Can you talk about what it was like to come in and fill in those fairly big shoes that, that she had? Well, I'm so proud, uh, as, as her, I guess now former constituent, so proud of what Senator Harrington accomplished and what this entire Republican caucus has accomplished. I have a interesting perspective on it. When I was a junior and senior in college, I was an intern in the state Senate, and my party was deep in the minority at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, Bass Knight and Rand and, and Hoyle and company were running the state. Um, we had Patrick Ballantyne as our minority leader and Jim Forrester, late Jim Forrester from Gaston County and others uh, leading the charge on the, on the uh, Republican side. But I saw what it was like for those just very good, solid public servants with a lot of great public policy ideas, a great vision for the state, and I saw what it was like for them not to be able to implement that. And so seeing that as an intern, um, and then now, I guess, twenty, roughly 20 years later, um, serving in the state Senate, it's, it's, it's a dramatic change, and it's wonderful to see what they've done so far again, Senator Harrington and others um, for over a decade. I'm very proud of it, and I'm proud to be a part of that, and I want to see that continued. When you were interning, did you have any inkling that one day you would be serving in that chamber? Well, I was heading to – I was. I knew I was going to law school, and uh-huh. so I didn't really know what <laughs> where life was going to take me. And I was I was happy. You know, we've talked about the party politics thing. I, I really enjoyed that. I was happy to do that as long as we had good, solid – candidates out there to support I, I enjoyed doing that and uh, several people would say over the years well aren't you going to run yourself you're always doing the party thing and my answer was always you know if the right opportunity the right circumstances arise I will but I don't have to gotcha and uh, uh, Senator Harrington approached me just before she announced her retirement um, she asked me to come meet with her I did and she said look I'm not going to run again I've, I've done this. I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, and I want to want to enjoy life outside of this. And uh, I think you would be uh, a great one to run, and I hope you will. I, I thought about that, prayed about that, and discussed it with my family and close friends, and and decided that it was the right time. Yeah. But if that moment had never come, I would have been, you know, completely happy continuing to do what I was doing. You came in, again, you're a freshman. You came in with a bang. You were out front on a couple bills. Do you want to talk about some of your legislative priorities or ideas you had coming into this session? Well, I, I didn't know that this would be the first thing I worked on, but I was excited um, uh, to to have carried and uh, through committee and argued on the floor uh, the first law of the session, our hotel safety bill. That's right. And, Supported and by NCTIA. Absolutely. And, and really a great, great law. Yeah. Not bill anymore. A great <laughs> law. And um, I, I really appreciate the fact that Senator Sawyer, um, who was the first primary sponsor on that bill, uh, I, was, I was listed second. And there's a tradition, most of your listeners know this, there's a tradition really the, the first listed primary sponsor will We'll carry the bill through it. Uh, Senator Sawyer uh, very graciously said, uh, "You know, Brad, if you want to, if you want to run with us, do it." 
and I'll, I'll back you up any way you want. And, of course, Senator Moffitt, too. He was the other one on the bill, and they were very helpful, and I enjoyed that very much, um, and I, I'm really proud of that. It's, not, again, not something I, you know, knew, oh, gosh, I really need to, to do this, but once I understood what was going on and the practical implications of, for hoteliers, for other guests of hotels, I was very happy to work on it and really proud. It's the first law of the session. So that bill, it had a rocky path to enactment. It had uh, been kind of bouncing around the General Assembly in past sessions. Uh, This session, you guys get it to the governor's desk. Now, he didn't sign it. It became law without his signature. But did you know what you were getting into as far as like this was kind of a controversial bill? Well, I mean, I had been warned by by the folks working on it, by by John Bradford over on the House side, who was working on it, by uh, Senators Sawyer and Moffitt. I, I mean, nobody let me believe this would be just an easy bill. I was surprised that it wasn't more bipartisan, because we hear this a lot in Raleigh that, oh, it's a common-sense bill. That truly was. It was a situation where if you check into a hotel we all know what that relationship is it's a it's a basically a contractual relationship the hotelier is going to provide you with a room reasonable accommodations uh you're going to pay the the stated rate and and that's that's a relationship that we all know and and if we want to call it common sense i think i would and we we put in a trigger for that bill that if you're there more than 90 consecutive days then landlord tenant protections attach well uh, we tied that to the occupancy tax. That's when hoteliers can stop paying occupancy taxes. So all a very reasonable process. It's a reasonable law. I was a little disappointed in the amount of rancor uh, in the committee meetings and including on the floor, uh, it, it, even by some senators, Democrat senators that I have known a long time. I was, I was a bit surprised, but that's okay. It's, it's the law of the land now. And it's, it's the right law. What has been the best part about serving for you serving in a body that is so productive and Mm -hmm. i understand that uh we're we're trying to finalize the budget we're going to get there and we're going to get there soon um and a lot of people are talking about that right now but overall if you look at what has happened in this session it's been an extremely productive session and that's quite rewarding i mean we see on tv what's going on in washington it's constant gridlock it's constant in my opinion silly season and I am very proud of our state. Uh, most people have a seriousness of purpose when approaching state legislative policy. And that has been the most pleasant surprise. It's been, it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. I want you to take us back a little bit to pre-college, pre-law school, pre-interning at the General Assembly. Uh, a little bit about you growing up. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up, great family, uh, uh, very cl- lived very close to my grandparents, my great aunt and uncle. I have a sister who's seven years younger than I am. And in Gaston County, um, actually grew up. We've been my family now. We're all in Gaston, have been up for a while. But uh, I grew up in Davidson County, okay, in uh, area that's now Thomasville. Yeah, uh, it was Fairgrove at the time, but we had we used to have much more liberal annexation laws in this state, and so it's now Thomasville in the eastern part of Davidson County, and. Thankful for a for a good life, good growing up in North Carolina, and have you know grown up in the church, and um, my faith's very important to me even today, and just those good North Carolina values, and went off to school at Carolina, and actually went my only time out of the state is I went down to Ole Miss for law school. Oh yeah, but I knew I was coming back and did. And did. Uh, but I, I think I probably had a fairly typical. Uh, North Carolina uh, upbringing and, and childhood, uh, and just very thankful for that. Followed politics as a as a young man. Followed it. Always followed it. Really? Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah. again, my folks weren't in politics, aren't in politics, um, wasn't their thing, but always followed it. Yeah. I had a. Uh, I mentioned growing up close to my grandparents and my great aunt and uncle. My great uncle. Again, not in politics, but really followed it a lot. And uh, he and I would talk about it quite a bit growing up and um, just following all the North Carolina politics and and a lot of the federal stuff, too. What's your favorite North Carolina political fact? I would say my 
my favorite North Carolina political fact, and you know, we're people often say we're the valley of humility between two mountains of conceit in Virginia <laughs> and South Carolina. I think my favorite North Carolina fact is William Richardson Davy, member of the Continental Congress. Uh, founder of the University of North Carolina, founder of public education in the free world. You have him, you have William Hooper, you have all these great founding fathers that are not listed up there with, with Washington and Jefferson and others, but certainly were every bit as instrumental in our uh, country's founding and our state played a major role in every piece of American history. Anytime I go to talk with uh, school children, I say, you know, I, I grab the American flag and say, you know what's great about this? And, you know, they'll come up with all kinds of answers. So, well, one of the great things about it is North Carolina, your state, has a star and a stripe on this flag. And the truth is, I think a lot of people around the country don't remember, and maybe even some newer North Carolinians don't understand and haven't looked into our history to see how significant our state has been uh, in this country and in our country's development over the years. I want to have a little fun with you here. Uh, we've been talking to some of your colleagues in the Senate on both sides of the aisle, I might add. They said, this guy is really going places. One senator said, love his hair. I want his <laughs> hair. If I had his hair, I would go further in politics. Another senator said, he wants your height. Another senator said, he wants your voice. And they said, uh, this guy's head in places. They talk, of course, about your intellect. You're, uh, you're an attorney. You contribute to legislation. But uh, they said they have a lot of fun with you in the Senate about your hair, height, and voice. Can you talk about that? You got a comment about that, Senator. I, I mean, look, I, I have a lot of colleagues. They're, like you said, very, a lot of them are very intelligent, very thoughtful. Also, a lot of them are full of baloney. Too, so. <laughs> we, 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 have a, we have a good close-knit caucus. It's, it's, it's great, and we're very serious when we have to be, but uh, we can have a lot of fun in there, too. I don't want to out these senators. I'll say the one senator who wants your hair has no hair. Uh, the senator who wants your height is about my height. I don't know about the one who wants your voice, but uh, he's a good talker. But anyway, all of them think that obviously you have the talent. You have all of these, these three attributes that they've listed. But have you thought about, you know, what's next for you in politics? I have not. And the, and the reason for that is... This has all happened very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my first term. Uh, I'm trying to succeed with this, trying to uh, help where I can. And I'm going to be, because of these two-year terms, I'm going to be asking the folks at Gaston County to send me back to the Senate mm -hmm. so I can keep, keep working on this conservative reform agenda. So I, I don't know. I haven't thought that far down the road because of the pace of legislating and the pace of campaigns these days it really doesn't give a lot of time to think about things like that. So the question that we ask everyone, if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing in our politics today, what would it be? I would wave the magic wand and cause all those in politics and in government, uh, both at the state and federal level, to have uh, the, the needs and the proper position of their state in mind. I think uh, it would... It would cause all of us to return to this idea in the Constitution of federalism. And I think uh, one of our biggest um, struggles and one of the biggest problems that we have as a country is that we've lost that proper positioning of federalism. We've allowed the federal government to take on powers that were never meant for it to have. And if everybody had their state top of mind and understood each state's proper role. We're not a mere political subdivision of Washington. Uh, we are a state that has held sovereignty and only ceded limited powers to the federal government. And I think Washington would work much better if that were the approach. But I think policy at the state and federal level would improve. And besides, we would all get along a little better because we'd have you know, a few more state flags flying outside, and, and for, for Senator Sawry, I mean North, the state of North Carolina flags flying, <laughs> not NC State flags flying, but um, a state of North Carolina flags flying outside of homes and, 
and have a little bit more of a shared connection on that, which I, I wish we had. So that's, that would be my magic wand if I could utilize it. Well, Senator Brad Overcash, we appreciate everything you're doing in North Carolina politics, your service in the North Carolina Senate. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast. Today. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate both of you. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. Whenever we sit down with legislators for the podcast interview, it's always kind of in the back of my head that we could be talking to a future chair of a powerful committee. We could be talking to a future president pro tem or speaker of the house. We could be talking to a future governor. And I certainly felt that way with Senator Overcash freshman legislator. We've seen him present legislation. In fact, this week he presented a bill to the House Rules Committee. He is certainly someone to watch. Senator Overcash, thank you for being on the podcast. Tweet of the week. The Tweet of the Week is sponsored by the North Carolina Pork Council, representing hog farmers around the state working hard to do agriculture better. Today, hog farms are reducing their carbon footprint by covering lagoons, reducing emissions, and generating renewable natural gas. To learn more, visit ncpork.org. This week's Tweet of the Week stems from Tomato Sandwich Day. Now, there was Senator Gailey's original tweet that said, Hey, everyone, Tomato Sandwich Day will be back. It will be Wednesday. That got a lot of attention including from me yeah oh, yeah it wasn't about you but we can do that i retweeted it okay <laughs> congrats mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's my favorite day at the general assembly so gary pierce had tweeted that he would not eat a sandwich with legislators surprising tweet and then yesterday after the veto overrides he quote tweeted somebody critiquing the legislature and said they serve tomato sandwiches for themselves and shit sandwiches for North Carolina. Now that is a quote tweet and the tweet of the week is from Jim Blaine who is at Jim Blaine and he said and he had previously said on Twitter that he would eat a tomato sandwich with Gary Pierce. Mm -hmm. Gary Pierce by the way former advisor to former governor Jim Hunt. So he said I know I went on record saying I'd eat a tomato sandwich, and this is emoji tomato emoji sandwich with Gary. Congrats, Jim, on knowing how to do emojis. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to clarify that courtesy does not extend to and then poop emoji sandwiches. Yeah. Again, surprised by Gary Pierce's tweet. I think people are missing the point of tomato sandwich day. I've talked about it in past podcasts. I'm going to talk about it again. Tomato Sandwich was born out of bipartisanship. It was Senator Hugh Webster, Republican conservative senator from Alamance County, who stood up one day in the Senate chamber. It was mid-2000s. I want to say 2005, somewhere around there. And he said, I am bringing tomatoes to the General Assembly next week, and if anyone would like fresh ripe tomatoes, they will be available to anyone. Now, Senator Mark Basnight, the pro tem at the time, Democrat, stood up and he said, Senator Webster, if you bring the tomatoes, I will bring the bread and the Duke's mayonnaise, and we can have tomato sandwich day. And Hugh Webster gladly accepted that invitation to work together to have Tomato Sandwich Day. And from there, the tradition was born, and it continued with the Alamance County delegation. Tony Forrest went on to take the place of Hugh Webster. Then we had Senator Rick Gunn, and now we have Senator Amy Gailey, and she involves the entire Alamance County delegation. This is a good thing. We need to eat more tomato sandwiches together. I think if we eat 
tomato sandwiches together, we should be able to get along a little bit better. But anyway. How come there wasn't watermelon this year? That's right. That's a question for Senator Brent Jackson. Yeah. What did he say? That's the food the angels eat. Yeah. It, so two years ago. Fruit ag- of the angels. Fruit of the angels. Two years ago, they had watermelon on the same day as the tomato sandwich day. But mm-hmm. uh, Senator Amy Gailey, thank you for tomato sandwich day this year, along with your delegation, Representative Steve Ross and Representative Dennis Rydell. Along the lines of eating together, being friendlier, this entire week, (laughs) this entire week, you have been nonstop about how you made a friend. (laughs) I did make a friend. And it's not the man's name on your chest. (laughs) Yeah, I'm wearing my Senator Danny Britt for NC Senate shirt today. I slept in this shirt last night, too. I didn't need to know that. (laughs) Yeah, I met a friend Saturday. So I'm 52 years old. I don't really get the opportunity to make new friends. You know, you kind of got the friends that you have, and and that's how you're going to live your life with these friends. But I made a new friend on Saturday. I was at Carolina Beach. I was surfing on one side of a pier, or at least it used to be a pier. The pylons are still up. And another guy was surfing on the other side. And we were just having a ball. And I'd seen him out kind of all week. And he had seen me, he said. I kind of... Wow, this is a love story blossoming. (laughs) I can tell. I'd seen him. He'd seen me. We locked eyes. You know what happened. Yeah. So these kids had drifted into where I was surfing. And I just wanted one more wave, take it in, head to the house. So I paddled over to the other side of the pylons. I said, hey, man, let me just catch a wave, and I'm, I'm out of here. I'll get out of your way. And he's like, no, I've seen you around surfing all week. And he said, are you a local? I said, I'm not. We just have a house up on Tennessee. He said, I have a house on Tennessee. Uh-oh. And he says, are we neighbors? Are you the guy that hauls his surfboards on the golf cart? And I said, yeah, that's me. And he said, man, I've been meaning to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we introduced ourselves. His name's Jake. I'm Brian. All this is happening in the ocean. In the ocean, yeah. We're just sitting okay. on our boards mm-hmm. talking. And I learned his wife's Julie. My wife is Julie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, and you guys are married to the same woman. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, you know, he's like, look, I'm, I'm going to catch a few more. I, I hit my wave, went home, and then he came over. Julie and I were sitting on the porch. Wow. And I was telling Julie. Asserting his dominance. I was telling Julie about, I said, Jake, I met Jake. Wow, here's Jake walking (laughs) up our driveway. So Jake walks up to the driveway and uh, we, you know, we're like, hey, are you going to the block party tonight? Because our little neighborhood at the beach has this end of the summer bash. And he's like, yeah, I'll be there. I said, all right. So we hung out at this block party. And, you know, we're sitting there, there's a cover band and, you know, the music would start. And at the same time, it was like, he would say, that's, and I'd say, tears for fears. He'd say tears for fears at the same time. We're <laughs> Yo, like, you're finishing each other's sitting. Yes. Like we, we, we like the same music. We like to surf. Uh, our wives are named Julie. Yeah. We this sounds like beat. a book I read where the, he murders you. <laughs> <laughs> He's a small business owner in Charlotte. They, they're weekend warriors. They don't rent out their beach house. We don't rent out our beach house. I mean, just so wow. much. He wears shoes. I wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? But here's the thing. Like, again, you just don't meet people all the time where, you know, you got this, this cool connection. Man, we hit it off. We've been texting, sending yeah. surf. Brian's been texting me like, Jake texted me today. It's like, he's like... <laughs> A seventh grade boy who got his first girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. But here's the thing. Okay. Um, you realize you have to maintain a relationship? Yeah, no. No, I can maintain the relationship. That's why I can't have new friends. I've already got enough. But th- this happens, right? Like you become friends with someone and then you friend them on Facebook. Because I got back Saturday night. We had hung out. We know you love Facebook. <laughs> We hung out, and then I was like, man, I'm going to look him up 
see if he's on Facebook. And he was on Facebook, so I friended him. And then he friended me. So like 1130 oh, wow. at night, you know, I guess we're just, you know, accepting each other's <laughs> friendship. After we spent the all- way you're giddy about it is weird. <laughs> it's kind of creeping me out. Yeah. But here's the thing. I did something I'm not very proud of. He asked me what I did for a living. And what'd you say? I said, I'm in public relations. Oh, remember that one time a lady on a plane asked me what I did for a living and you turned around from the seat in front of me and announced that I was a lobbyist? <laughs> I know, it's so embarrassing, isn't it? Why did, yeah. We don't do that, do we? So, so what'd I, you say? I said I was in public relations. Okay. What happens when he asks you again about this? Or all of your posts, I have to assume. No, you can I figure don't, it out by I your don't Facebook. post anything on Facebook about politics. Well, you're not, you don't like New Frame on there? Or mm, yeah, I guess so. I guess you could owner figure Owner of it. New Frame and then you click it? Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, it wouldn't take a rocket scientist, Brian. This is going to be like a Hallmark movie, right? Where you start the relationship on... No, I think this is a murder mystery. <laughs> He's going to, like, like three or four months into this friendship, we're going to have to have a reconciliation. You're going to have to tell him you lied. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say I do public relations, but I'm, I'm a lobbyist. I just didn't want to scare him off, right? I didn't want him to think, oh, he's a lobbyist. Screw that. I can't be friends with him. It's just like, this is like dating. You, you lie at the beginning. <laughs> you do. Yeah. You, I'm six. Yeah, I'm, I love sports. I'm six. And I know that's a lie you tell. <laughs> I do love sports. Right. I'm six one. I'm 155 pounds. But then I show up and go, yeah, I'm on some medication. I shrunk and I'm fat. Well, you're on a Zimpeg. <laughs> yeah. By the way, yesterday I was eating some Reese's Pieces that I got out of Senator Benton Solry's office, and then Senator Perry came up to me, shook my hand, said, he looked at the Reese's, he said, how's the weight loss going? It was like, it was like the most honest moment at the General Assembly ever. Thank you, Senator Perry, for holding me accountable. I did consider for a split second throwing the Reese's Pieces away, but I ended up eating them. <laughs> <laughs> that one tomato sandwich can't fill me up all day. <laughs> so, anyway, back to the story. Oh, yeah. We can't go 10 minutes without talking about Jake. This is just like when you're on the Tim McGraw diet. <laughs> but here's the things, guys. Like, what I want to say to him is, yes, I am a lobbyist, but let's never talk about politics. You don't talk about politics. I won't talk about politics. Because when I'm at the beach, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't, I don't want to be a lobbyist there. I just want to be a guy who does public relations there. That's my persona. Well, why don't, you just, why don't you just not make friends there? Just hang out then. Well, I like the idea of, you know, like... Going, it's more fun to surf with somebody. Yeah, when you said you met him, you talked to him in the ocean, then he came to your house, then there was a block party, that was already too much for me. I thought <laughs> three social events with one person in one day can count me out. <laughs> It'd be cool to, you know, go surfing with somebody, hang out, you know? You, it's like you go out, you're sitting on your board, you're waiting on waves, you kind of talk and you surf wave you paddle back and it's fun it is fun and he does surf trips too you know we talked oh, wow. about my trip to el salvador costa rica he's done some surf trips we, we kind of you know you met him one day you guys are already planning a puerto vacation. rico that's where puerto, he'll murder you yeah, i bet <laughs> you won't be found then <laughs> don't all right so you make new friends right no <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> The idea of adding someone to my roster that I have to maintain a relationship with is too much. I'm already, I'm so invested in the people that are my friends. Like you, you take up so much <laughs> bandwidth. How could I add somebody else? You call me 12 times a day and now you're asking for advice and what to text your other friend back. You're, you're kind of jealous. Of, uh, you're kind of jealous of Jake. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> You're thinking of taking surfing lessons, right? So you can be my surf buddy. No, you know, I don't, I don't believe in mixing friends anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do around your neighborhood? I've, you've got folks that you talk to. There's Mm -hmm. Fox News. He's Mm -hmm. out there walking his dog. My upstairs neighbor, Mike, Uh who, like, 
I was in Colorado, texted me and was like, hey, you have a package. I'm going to bring it in for you. Those sorts of things. Um, that's the type of relationship I like to keep like that. <laughs> you don't invite them over. My for- neighbors. You know what happens? My next door neighbors I see every morning when I'm on a walk, they're walking their dog. And sometimes I see them when I'm walking home from the office too. And I'll see them on the same block as me. And then I think to myself, oh no, now I have to talk to them. And they're completely pleasant people. So nice. Sometimes we'll be sitting out on our balconies together, exchange small talk. That's about good for me. And I think to myself, they seem very nice. Should I invite them over? And then I think, nah. (laughs) (laughs) You're just fine with the friends you have. Yeah. You know, but all of my friendships are time consumers they're Mm -hmm. not really um surface level yeah you dig deep yeah well i spend a lot of time think about it you can only think of five friends that i have right Mm -hmm. you have so many people eugene (laughs) i love bill elam (laughs) james my friend james talton uh chris marion i can name a bunch of your friends yeah but yeah i mean chris is a childhood friend but uh, yeah, I like I like the idea of having a friend at the beach, but we got to have this agreement we're not going to talk politics because I don't want to be that there. I don't know how that's going to go. When do you tell people you're a lobbyist? You know, my mom said when we were in Colorado, this was funny. So my cousin's friend who was in her wedding, her dad was there, and they were from um, northern Illinois, suburb out of Chicago. So he was saying, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm an attorney. Mm. So I start there and just leave it bland. You know, lobbyist is really the lowest <laughs> rung of profession. When you'd rather say attorney. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, then he was like, oh, what kind? And I said, well, I do policy work and also I do sexual assault cases. And that's where our conversation ended. Mom said it was really uncomfortable when there was nothing else to be said after that. <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm not proud of being a lobbyist, but you have to admit, lobbyist friends, it does take a little bit of explaining because it usually goes like this. I'm a lobbyist, and they'll say, oh, and you say, but I'm a good lobbyist. I lobby for Coalition Against Sexual Assault, or I lobby for the tourism industry. Jake and I will have to have a conversation if this friendship continues. Yeah. Right before your, what is sure to be, painful death (laughs) 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 thanks for listening this week we will be back next week and we'll be talking about what's going on in north carolina politics until then make a new friend keep politics out of it and remember to do politics better you don't have to you don't have to go into a whole long thing just say something simple That might be her outro. And then say thank you, sir, for being on the podcast, even though you already did that. (laughs) You could be such a butt sometimes. I'm just trying to help you be better.